Well, we're going to start the second session of our series, which will go on for several, several weeks, the series I'm speaking about. And we're looking at God's ideal in communication. And we're going to look specifically over the next, I'm guessing, three weeks. It could go four. Um, from the book of Proverbs. So God's ideal in communication from the book of Proverbs. I do want to recommend some resources. I finally gathered some together. I kept forgetting one or the other. So um, Paul Tripp's book, War on Words. If you're looking for encouragement and help in communication, this is a a very, very good book, Um, one that we often give out and use in, um, in our counseling time. Uh, another one that we give out a lot in our counseling time. It's got some great chapters um, on communication. Biblical reconciliation, which of course involves communication, is The Peacemaker by um, Ken Sade. And so would highly recommend that book um, to you. I'll leave them up here so if you want to come. If those big books, they like overwhelm you. Okay, this was um, one that one of our biblical counseling conferences we had, and I, don't, I can't keep the years straight now, we've had them for so long, but when Stuart Scott came, you remember when he came, and this little booklet written by him, A Biblical Perspective on Communication and Conflict Resolution, it's just super, it just cuts right to the chase, um, it's just an excellent little resource, I imagine you can get all these through the book room, you can see um, Carol, um, and so would highly recommend that. This is an old book, and this is a tremendous book if you just want to understand um, change. How do you change? Heart change. And then how does that flow out of our communication and our speaking the truth one to another? Again, it's by Paul Tripp. It's called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand. And I cannot tell you how many times I've reviewed and refreshed my soul and my heart in, in this book. And so they're all excellent if this area of God's ideal in communication, understanding that we give an account for every word that we say, is, is one of those areas that you'd like to grow in, then um, I would encourage you that in that. So last week, last two weeks, we laid some basic foundations, some basic communication um, principles, and we looked at the fact that it says in Proverbs, life and death, is in the power of the tongue. We talked about the, the, the potential power of the words that we say for good or for evil. And um, we discussed that quite a bit. I got people asking me, what was that quote? And uh, I, I, I said a quote, and I didn't have it in my handout for it last week, so I put it in there. Say what you mean, mean what you say, and never be mean when you say it. So there, now you have the quote in writing. Um, but, but a good a good rule to live on. But we took and we, we saw that <clears throat> we live out of our heart. And it's very easy because we speak so many words to become loose or cavalier or not even think about the words that we say and that, and that they're important. And we reminded ourselves, no, they're very, very important. And in, and in fact, something we should pay very close attention to. And so I just want to review of that is we speak you see that first verse I have in the handout for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart it's in our heart flows out 
of our mouth. And we'll see as we go to Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, says the same thing. Uh, the Bible is in, in, in complete continuity from Genesis 1-1 all the way through Revelation. And it, 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 it's progressive and it unfolds, but it's, it's, a, it's beautiful in its, in its harmony and its confirming way. And we see that in, in Proverbs 4.23, the same idea. Proverbs 4.23 says um, that we're to watch over our heart with all diligence, for from it flow, some translations will say, issues of life. This flows, our, our life springs from our heart, which includes everything that we say, how how we speak and, and, and what we do, it, it comes out of the heart. So Proverbs begins, it's a, a father talking to his son, and, and we get a picture there, and, and that father Solomon is saying, son, watch over your heart, guard your heart. It's, it's of enormous importance. How important is it? With all diligence. It's, it's not something you take casual, the guarding of your heart. It's something that we have to be very diligent about. Why? Because from that heart, our life flows. And so, that's why everything ultimately goes back to a a matter of the heart. When I say something and I think, why did I say that? I wish I wouldn't have said that. Uh Uh-oh, I just blew it by saying that. We've all been there, haven't we? Well, then stop right at that moment and ask yourself, what was going on in my heart? Because it came out of your heart. And Proverbs is full of instructing us in that way. In fact, Proverbs is such a deep reservoir um, on this idea of God's ideal in communication, it's really hard to wrap your arms around it. And I'm, I'm going to take it and, 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 and look at it from two ways and only tackle what I think are important pieces for us today. It's all important, or it wouldn't be in there. Um, open your Bibles, if you would, to um, Proverbs 15. As I said, there's over 150 verses that have something to do with the tongue, communication, speech um, in, the, in, in the book of Proverbs. And, and it, it really talks about instruction for the wise and righteous communication and then the inverse, you know, we talked about Proverbs being couplets and contrasts. And it's, it's full of warnings concerning foolish and evil communication. And there's some key statements here in, in Proverbs 15. Matter of fact, Proverbs 15 is just full of speaking out of the heart good communications and um, it's not my purpose for us to go through this whole chapter, but you could look at that, that first verse. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A whispering tongue, you know, that soft, that quiet um, tongue. And if you look at verse 2 and 7, which I have in your handout there, verse 2 says, The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. But the mouth of fools spouts out folly. 
Look at verse 7. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the heart of the fools is not so. And so we see a a wise tongue. In in verse 4, we see a wholesome tongue. In in verse 8, we see a worshiping tongue. All all the way through um, Proverbs 15, we see that. But what I want you to see there in verse 2 and 7 is sort of going to be the outline format that I'm going to try to use as you go through Proverbs because of the way Proverbs is laid out. It's unlike an epistle. It's unlike a narrative. It's, it's completely different in its, in its teaching, and in some ways it's much harder, to be honest with you. And so you, you, you'll note there that it talks about, in those cases, um, the tongue of the wise, and it compares it to the mouth of fools. You'll see that it talks about the lips of the wise, and it compares it to the hearts of fools. And so I'm going to take, I think it might end up being two weeks on each, I'm going to take some major communication areas in Proverbs that we would call negative, evil, sinful, things that we need to stay mile away from, and we're going to look at those, and we're going to look at those first because they're not much fun, to be honest with you. But then we're going to take and we're going to look at five others that are full of wisdom, and that's what wise people, um, godly people would say, because they're contrasts. And, and, and rather than taking each verse and talking about the contrast, I'm going to try to take the whole and take five areas of communication, negative to start with, positive, um, when we get through with this section. So on your handout, if you look, the first page, the front and the back, deals with five waves, an uncontrolled tongue reveals foolish or evil communication. When, our, when we have an unguarded mouth, when our, when our tongue isn't controlled, when we're just left to ourselves, and, and, and what comes out? We're, we're going to look at five different ways that certainly you're going to see is negative or evil. And then you'll see page two in your handout, front and back, deals with five can't get it. My pages are stuck together. I'm sorry. Five ways the lips of the wise benefits others. Uh, you might call this first section um, communication roadblocks. If, if this is part of your life and your communication and your speech, it's it's a it's a big roadblock with red kind of caution and yellow flags all, all the way around it. It needs to be dealt with. And, and we're going to get to the next section, and that's communication bridges. It's, it's how we build bridges to take the truth of the word to other people, how we connect with other people and point them to Jesus. And so we have these two different kinds of communication that we're going to attempt to look at, and so we'll only get into this first one today. And so the first one is deceitful words. Deceitful words, lying words. Um, I'm, I'm doing this because of the pervasive nature of the culture that we swim in. Look at what this says here in Proverbs 12:22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord but those who deal faithfully are his delight. Lion lips are an abomination to the Lord. 
Yet we swim in a culture completely the opposite, don't we? And if we're not careful, it, it sort of spreads over onto us. It was in 1991, a book came out, The Day America Told the Truth. Uh, it doesn't get a very, it's certainly not a five-star book, and there's a lot of problem with the books, but it was an interesting concept. This person took and did several thousand surveys um, different age and category people to try to determine the moral fabric of America. And the thing that I found interesting was how cavalier in 1991, this is 2023, and when you think of the, the, where we are today, you'll, you'll see the difference. In 1991, the surveys showed that 91% of those surveyed lied routinely about matters they considered trivial. 91% of the people. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that if I was sent the survey, if I was an unbeliever and I was sent the survey, I'd lie and answer that. No, I don't lie. You know what I'm getting at? I mean, I, if you're unregenerate anyhow, you don't care about your, your speech, well, who's going to admit you're a liar? In 1991, 91% of the people said, oh, oh, oh sure, uh, I lied. But it's just about small stuff, you know, stuff that doesn't matter. 36, 36% admitted that they lied about important matters. Of course, I don't know what was important um, to them. I guess that was subjective. 86% lied regularly to their parents. I thought about that, Sherry and Don. Wow. No. 75% lied to their friends. 73% to their siblings. 69% lied to their spouses. Um, all you have to do is turn on the TV. Every sitcom... There is no such thing as news anymore, is there? There's, there's just lies. Uh, I, I mean, every, every place you, you go, and it has become like it's, it's just okay. And that's why we have to start here. It's not okay. I, I, I know you know that, but we need to refresh ourselves because the culture and our own flesh is surrounded by this debauchery that God says is an abomination. Our words need to be true because they reflect our Savior. We call ourselves Christians. And so, the truth. What is a lie? Where does it originate? Well, look at, uh, look at Proverbs 12. You're right there in 15. Just look over at Proverbs 12. And verse 19. Truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but counselors of peace have joys from the heart. You can see that in verse 20, exactly what Jesus said when he said, out of the heart flows evil. 
good tree is known by good fruit, a bad tree by bad fruit. And so our words literally are fruit that comes from, from our lives. And the picture is ugly if we're a liar. Look, the Lord hates a lying tongue. And a false witness who speaks lies. So it's so easy to call lying a respectable sin. Somebody explain to me, what's a white lie? You've all heard of it, right? Everybody heard of a white lie? Well, what, I'm not saying that you believe that, but what do people mean when they say a white lie? You know, it's, it's, it's not tainted. It's not sinful. I mean, it, it is okay because it wasn't something really important. You know, the curfew was at, le- was at 11, and I got in at 11.15. That was close enough. And my parents asked me, what time did you get home? And I say 10.59. I mean, what's 15 or 16 minutes, right? It's no big deal. That's a, a white lie. Is that the way... Is that the way God looks at it? I, I, I think we all, I think we all know the answer um, to that. Look at Proverbs six. Proverbs six sixteen lays it out pretty straightforward as to what God thinks about lying. There are six things which the Lord hates; yea, seven which are an abomination to Him. So we already have words the Lord hates and are an abomination. Verse 17, haughty eyes, that would be proud. So pride's number one on the list. God hates pride. We know that. We know that's the primary sin. That's what Satan committed against God and was thrown out of heaven. So pride's number one on the list. What's number two? A lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. Look at verse 19. A false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife among the brethren. Man, I don't know how you want to twist that list and I don't care what translation you use, at a minimum, specifically, lying is used twice in the top seven. It's a big deal to God. It needs to be a big deal to you and to me. The Lord hates a lying tongue and a false witness. It's clear on that. And I I would just say that an unregenerated heart lies and... um, it's like the devil, the father of lies. You could go to John 8.44 and, and you would see that. Um, false witnesses, liars, they're, they're, they're going to be punished. Look at Proverbs 19. I know this isn't fun, but stick with me. We, we need it. I need it. Look at Proverbs 19.5. A false witness will not go unpunished. He who tells lies will not escape. 
Look at verse 9, 9.19. Excuse me, 19.9. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who tells lies will perish. I mean, it's very clear. And, of course, if we went all the way to the New Testament, and for sake of time, I won't today, but if you read those passages before the white throne judgment, when God's bringing about the new heaven and the new earth, where there's no more pain and sorrow and crying, and all of those, those things are gone forever, he, he talks about those who are thrown into the lake of fire forever. And on there is all liars. It's not just temporal. Proverbs is talking about temporal. Revelation is talking about eternal. God hates lying. Unregenerated hearts lie. And so that should be concerning to us. When you do lie, and you notice what I put there, and we all do. If that hits you right in the face right now, and you, and you sit there and you say to me, uh, no, I, I don't lie. Then I'd ask you to do this privately. Come and see me. And let's sit down and talk. I've never met a person like that before, and I, I would like to discuss that with you. Um, there's no one good, no, not one. And you would actually be arguing with Romans 3. Yes, we do tell lies. We don't want to tell lies. We hate it when we tell lies, but we do tell lies. Sometimes we do it unintentionally. But nevertheless, those things happen. And when it does, I should be asking myself, what was going on in my heart when I lied? Was, did I lie because of fear, or fear of man, fear I'd be exposed? What, what, what was going on in my heart? Jealousy, pride? And then I have to confess and own my sin. And then I've got to tell the truth and make things right with someone that I lied to. And let me say this, if it's a habitual sin, then humble yourself and come get help. If you lie and you feel convicted by sin, that's a good sign you're regenerate. If you lie and you hate your sin, that's a good sign you're regenerate. But if you can just lie and it doesn't bother you, you should be afraid. The fear of the Lord, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. And so wherever we might fall on that on that scale, and I'm not thinking that here in this setting, I have a lot of people who have the habitual sin of lying. You just lie, 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 lie. But you could have. There may be some. It's like there's that every kind of sin you can think of in the body of Christ. And you can get victory. You can get help over it. The, the gospel is the answer. But you have to humble yourself, and you have to come and get that help. So um, deceitful words. We need to speak the truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're to be like him. And it's by that truth we are sanctified. It's by that truth we, we speak in truth and we are used by the Lord to sanctify others. So I know it's not a fun topic. We'll, we'll get the other four next week. And then we'll be able to turn to something a little bit more pleasant. So ask the Lord to check your heart in this area of truthfulness honesty, integrity with the words that I say. Um, and, and if there's a difficulty there, 
Search your heart. Ask the God. He, he wants to show you. And if you need help, then come and get it for the glory of God. Father, help us to be clear with our words, to be truthful with our words. Lord, to be like Christ. We need that help, and we ask you to grant it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.